Sherm Chester, along with Roger Brown from the Union Leader and uh, also New Hampshire Hardball and uh, NewHampshireFootballReport.com. A special uh, abbreviated edition of the Seco Sports Forum podcast because we're into the tournament season, in particular basketball, boys and girls basketball. A lot of happenings over the weekend, a lot of activity. A couple of champions were named in the other uh, divisions. Uh, Roger, uh, you were at one of those uh, championship games. First, tell us about that one. Yeah, actually two of them, Sherm. I went to the Division Four boys and girls title games at Colby Sawyer College. The girls was a uh, rubber match between uh, the two top seeds, Colebrook and Groveton. Colebrook won that one by three points. Um, They got out to a pretty good lead. Uh, Groveton came back, took the lead late, and then uh, last two minutes, uh, Colebrook kind of pulled away. So, you know, small school basketball. The one thing I do enjoy about watching that is the whole town shows up to support those teams. So the, uh, the the atmosphere was terrific. And then the boys game followed. And, you know, of course, it doesn't – we don't hear about it a, a lot in this area, but Woodsville beat Holy Family out of Manchester. And it was their third straight championship for Woodsville. And I don't know much about the program. I've covered the last two championship games. And you can just tell – well, well coached, you know, they, you, they take the floor and you say, Oh my God, how are these guys going to stay within 30 points of whoever they play terrific team basketball, fundamentally sound. You know, they had a freshman point guard uh, yesterday and and I think they committed six turnovers the entire game. Um, Just a treat to watch that Woodsville team. Now Holy family, very good too talented but they you know they have they got a six eight center you know they got they look like a, a team that should have been there woodsville just looks like five kids in gym class and they come out you know um and i mean that in the in the most flattering way possible i mean they're just just a treat to watch just fundamentally sound you know it's like watching hickory the woodsville engineers yep. right yep. three in yeah. a row i was gonna yeah, i was gonna say it goes back years uh, when my son was playing baseball for the the blue hawks uh one of the legends uh, he was part of the red sox organization way back john bagnanzi and uh it was fun that was probably of all the clinics that we ever went to that was probably the best this guy had had it down to a science so you're right up there in woodsville they keep it simple and just keep it to the point and get the job done <laughs> yeah you know the one thing that stands out is they're just uh calm regardless up 10 down 10 win lose you know almost like they expected to win. They just show up, do their thing. Uh, and, um, you know, play just good basketball. You know, it's not all the one-on-one stuff. It's just fundamentally sound and, you know, they're outmanned. Uh, there's probably three or four, uh, Holy family kids who are taller than the tallest Woodsville kid. Good for them. Three in a row, obviously, uh, terrific program. Oh, there you go. It keeps keeps the franchise going, so to speak. Absolutely. Yes. This was supposed to be the year from what I'm people who watch more division for basketball than me that Woodsville was vulnerable. And uh, I do know the kid who led them in scoring yesterday was only a junior. So should be pretty good next year too. That is a program at this point when you, when you back to back to back. Well, the girls division two basketball tournament is uh 
the top four, the semifinals are all uh, figured out. So in one bracket, it's going to be the number two seed, Kennett. They'll be uh, taking on Pelham. That will be played at Sanborn Regional High School. That'll be coming up on Wednesday. And then on the other side of the bracket, we got the number one, Bo, ladies taking on number five, Laconia, the Sachems. That, uh, that game will also be at Sanborn Regional High School uh, on Wednesday. One of them is at 5.30, and then uh, this Bo versus Laconia matchup, that'll be at 7.30, again, at Sanborn Regional High School. Uh, anything about those two particular uh, matchups that you want to? Well, I just think, uh, you know, uh Two of those teams have, or schools have teams in both the boys and the girls semifinals, if, unless I'm wrong. I believe Pelham and Laconia also advanced to the boys uh, semis. Um, Correct. You know, I think Bo was, uh, was you know, the second best team in the state last year in that division. Uh, they're the top seed. So, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta make them the favorite, but um, it's, from what you know, from what I've seen in that division, it's not like there there's a huge gap between Bo and everybody else. Um, so it looks like two terrific games on paper, I would say. And on the boys' side of Division Two in the semifinals, and that'll be Laconia, number one seed, the Sachems taking on Pelham, the number five seed. That uh, that will be on uh, Tuesday, and that will be at seven thirty at Sanborn Regional High School. So that's the top bracket. Now let's go to the bottom end of the bracket. That features number two, Pembroke, and they'll be taking on Oyster River. Now, that was a surprise there. A number 14 seed, Oyster River, uh, getting into uh, into the semis. They'll uh, be playing, again, Pembroke Tuesday, and that game was at 5.30 at Sanborn Regional High School. Anything about those uh, teams in those brackets? Well, just three teams that we expected to be there. You know, Division Two boys, I think, was the deepest um, division heading into the postseason. I, you know, I think there were five teams that were all really bunched together, at least five. And, you know, no surprise if any of them won it. Uh, and three of them are still alive. And then you have Oyster River, of course, which knocked off uh, defending champion Sauhegan in their first game. And uh, they're the Cinderella story left, not just in the division, but in the entire state, you know, uh, boys or girls, you know, so uh, nothing against Pembroke, but I think there'll be a lot of people rooting for the Bobcats just because of their underdog status. Yeah, they've come along that program, uh, whatever the sport is, the, you know, we've seen them play uh, at Exeter high school, whether it was for a divisional title or a semifinal or whatever over the past few seasons. So uh, yeah, you're right. They're building a program there for the Bobcats in Oyster river. And it used to be, of course, in the 90s, uh, one of the better basketball schools in the state with the Friel brothers and um, forget how many championships they won, but they were, you know, the dominant team for a number of years there in the mid mid uh, 90s. And now we'll move on to the girls division one semifinals. And in the semifinals for both the boys and the girls. You could say it's as easy as one, two, three, four. <laughs> in the in the top bracket, the number one seed, Bishop Girton Cardinal ladies will be hosting the Gosstown Grizzly team, and uh, they'll be going up. Uh, uh, that's a one versus four seed, and that'll be at Londonderry High School Tuesday, and that game is at seven thirty. That's the one side of the bracket. The other side, the number two. Portsmouth Clipper ladies, they'll be taking on the Bedford Bulldogs, number three seed, and that will be at 
5.30 tomorrow at Londonderry High School. Give me some info on those uh, four teams, Raj. Well, uh, the Portsmouth-Bedford game, um, Portsmouth beat Bedford during the regular season. Uh, So I know a lot of people are expecting Bedford to advance, but uh, they got to get by a team that they had already lost to. I just think that's that could be a very, very entertaining and close game. See if Portsmouth can, you know, can beat them a second time. I think it's going to be difficult for them, even though they're the higher seed. The other matchup, of course, BG, everybody expects them to be there. Best team, the most talent, you know, with some people from uh, Bedford may disagree. But, um, you know, Goffstown probably has the, the, the best player left in Ava Winterburn, who's going to Southern New Hampshire. But uh, BG has a supporting cast, you know, their deeper team. They're probably the deepest team left. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I'd be surprised if BG doesn't advance, you know, wouldn't rule out a Goffstown upset just because of Ava's so good, but certainly BG is a clear favorite. And BG against on the other side of the bracket, which one are you picking? Boy, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to go against Bedford. You know, they're very good. Um, and I did see that if, if it does end up being Bedford and BG, I saw the regular season game between the two and BG won. And I would say that Bedford played very good that day, extremely shot it extremely well. BG, not so good. You know, they were a slow start and, um, you know, came on late. So, if BG plays well, I don't see anybody beating him. Let's put it that way. All right. And now for the Division One boys basketball semifinals, again, as easy as one, two, three, four, so to speak. Number one, Bedford, the Bulldogs held on in overtime to take out the Trinity Pioneers 93-91. to 91. We'll talk about that game in a minute. And they'll be facing, uh, I guess a few people will be surprised, the Nashua South Purple Panthers, who beat the Bishop Girton Cardinals 48-45 to 45 in their quarterfinal game. So, again, that'll be Bedford versus Nashua South. That game uh, will be at 7.30 on Wednesday at Exeter High School, the semifinal contest. The other end of the bracket is the number two Pinkerton Astros. They took out Wyndham, and that final there was 77-55. And they'll be going up against Nashua North, who unfortunately took out the Exeter Blue Hawks 58-55. to Let's talk about that game first. Um, I want to say that the Exeter Blue Hawks should not hang their heads at all. They played their guts out in that game. Uh, they were down as uh, much as 12, I think it was, at one point in the game, but they kept just pounding back. And the only thing I think that really threw everything off uh, with about four and a half minutes left in the game, Evan Pafford fouled out and that, that under the basket presence was missing for that last four and a half minutes, but they still hung in there. There was a last second. It could have been a four point play. Uh, Ryan Looper put one up in three point land. It banked off, went in and we, I'd love to have uh, the replay to show you here, but it looked like he was fouled. So he should have potentially gone for a four-point play and then tied the game up. But we again, it didn't happen, and uh, the, the final score again there was uh, 58-55. North, uh, they were playing down a man. As you said, their best player uh, LeBrac, was yeah. out yep. with a, a torn ACL. Yeah, LeBrac. So – they uh, they have a couple of big kids there. That was one thing I did notice. They had two six foot 
six center, uh, well, center types with big wingspan. So they were, they were, they were working the uh, Blue Hawks big time, especially if they were trying to go in the lane and uh, without Pafford's presence at the, at the end, it was almost uh, entirely on trying to get a three point shot or something that, that uh, might be open, but they, those guys, they, they were filling the gaps up nicely for the Titans. Um, I, I don't know if you had any input on Nashua North at this point going going in against Pinkerton. Yeah, well, I, you know, all year I've thought, uh, you know, Bedford, Pinkerton, and North were the three best teams. And then, you know, I kind of chopped that down to Bedford and Pinkerton when, when I heard that Lebrecht was going to be out. So I got to give North credit for winning without, you know, their top scorer. Um, be interesting to see who the Nashua fans are rooting for in the other game. Will the North fans be pulling for South or Bedford? You know, will they stick with their hometown guys or, you know, I'm curious to see what the rooting section is like in that one. But, um, you know, Pinkerton is, uh, they're not the deepest team, <clears throat> but they've got, uh, you know, two or three exceptional players and then a number of very good role players. You know, I, I would be very curious. I saw the first Pinkerton Bedford game. That's what I'm expecting uh, in the championship this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be very curious to see how, what Pinkerton does different. They lost to Bedford in the regular season. Uh, Bedford kind of had their way with them, you know, in a lot of ways that night. Uh, but it was at Bedford. And, um, you know, if that's a rematch, I'm kind of curious about how Pinkerton goes about their business that night in terms of strategy. Uh, that said, either one of those national teams could win, you know. Yeah, well, Bedford, uh, believe it or not, was trailing at one point by, I think, 19 points. Yeah, it was 19 points uh, against Trinity. And slowly but surely, they gained momentum back uh, into the fourth quarter and uh, went obviously into the overtime um it was it, it, it i don't know if it was a case of uh, they just uh, trinity ran out of gas i mean the final shot of the game uh, could have been and probably should have been tyler bike driving the lane going for two plus one but unfortunately he dished it off and uh, they went for a three-pointer and it clanked off the rim and that was the end of the ball game. So uh, the final there was 93-91 Bedford over Trinity, and uh, Trinity will not defend. Uh, Bedford, uh, the Bulldogs, uh, had a big game from Aiden O'Connell. I think he had 40 points in that game. I mean, it was just awesome. I, everything, I, you know, One thing I noticed about the, the games, and I got to watch uh, the uh, Exeter-National North game and also the South Bedford game, and uh, he went and, and tried to dial up the other ones. The fact is the first two minutes of some of those games were just, you could see how tight both teams were back and forth, nothing happening, just, you know, trying to get that rhythm. The, the exception of the rule was the Bedford Trinity game. They were red hot from the get go. So that game, that was, uh, it's going to be interesting that, that I think you're right. Bedford and Pinkerton, that was the game I did not get to see Pinkerton versus Wyndham. Uh, but you've uh, told us all about uh Jackson Marshall, their big uh, six foot nine guy, that's going to obviously uh, be a factor, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Nate Maserol, who I'm a, I'm a fan of of Nate because he was a Blue Hawk coach years ago, and uh, he's come close a lot of times. This this is probably his closest shot to get into the finals, and uh, I, I'll be interested to see how he reacts or, or adjusts his team to go up against this uh, Pinkerton 
juggernaut if they get into the finals. But more, they've got to get past Bedford first. So any strategy there? You, what do you think? You know, I didn't see a lot of South this year, so I, I, I can't speak to their personnel. But, you know, Bedford just got so many good players. You know, they they don't have his height. They're not a big team. Right. Um, and going back to the Pinkerton uh, uh, matchup, you know, they – they really uh, – Jackson Marshall just wasn't as effective as he usually is inside. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He's tough enough to guard when you have somebody who can match up with him size-wise, which nobody does really. But uh, Bedford just was – you know, smothered him with numerous players, double teams, you know, triple teams at times once he got the ball. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to um, – and he also didn't make a three-pointer that game. He's a terrific outside shooter. That's the thing that another thing that makes him so tough, not only his size, but his inside-outside game. So, you know, I, I guess Bedford was just a step quicker. They like to run. So I don't know if North will want to slow him down. Um again, I, I excuse me, South. I don't I don't I just don't know enough about South's uh you know, I think I saw like a little bit of one of their games this year. So I will say I'll, uh, I will say they've got a six foot nine center, six nine, Dennis Wanena, and That'll this help. kid. That'll help. Yeah, yeah. He 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 is a factor. He gives them that target. You know they can heave the ball to him down court, and and he's got the wingspan to pick it up. Uh, uh, Zach Castangway, he uh, he's a factor, and uh, uh, Carson Lemire. Those are the three names that come to mind. I saw him play against the Blue Hawks. And also in this game uh, against Gurdon, they were factors. So I guess you just have to coach coach up and 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 you can look at all the game film and whatever, uh, but it boils down to health, being healthy the night of the game or day of the game, and, and just, you know, going in there and and having the right mindset. So we shall see who 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 shows up, uh, whether it's Bedford or South or Pinkerton or North. Uh, I know some Fans over in the Nashville area would love to see a South North. Yeah, I get that's that's what I'm curious about. Like, do you root for, you know, if you win, are you rooting for the other Nashville team or against them? I don't, you know, I don't know how that works uh, these days. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that would be more than just a battle for the pride of the town or the city. I mean, this is this is you know this is this is a big deal. I don't has that ever happened? Do you know? No, not in the, not in the championship game. No, not North South. No. Um, okay. All right. Oh well. I, I mean, I, I know Bedford probably is the, the favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm again, I just, because he was an old blue Hawk coach, I'm pulling for South and that one Pinkerton from what I didn't get to see him this season. So I'm going with what you and, and others have said, uh, having watched North against Exeter, I think they can be had. So I'll probably go with, uh, uh, Pinkerton in that bracket, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I hope, I hope, uh, Nate's team plays up that night and gives Bedford a run for their money. Uh, anything, uh, well, again, before I, I get off this, the NHIAA final round, the championship round, will be at Lundholm Gymnasium for both Division One and Division Two boys and girls. And uh, that will be on Sunday, March 12th. Now, the only thing is right now, I can tell you the games are going to be at 10, 1, 4, and 7. But we don't know which division is going first and whether it'll be the ladies first or the guys first last year, the guys let it off. It was division one at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so we we're still 
coaches weren't happy about that. I recall. Well, yeah, that. yeah, that's a little early to start a start a, a game, and uh, well, we'll see. I mean, again, I I don't know if they'll flip a coin or if it's uh, it says to be determined on our schedule. So we shall uh, let people know what's happening. Maybe we'll do a a flash. Uh, type of a of a podcast from over at the uh, semis on wednesday just to keep people posted on what's happening um but anything on uh, for a two-minute drill or for any any other uh, comments about the the basketball or any any sport for that matter as we stand Raj? well i just think one uh, factor you know when you get this deep sometimes it's overlooked and it's, and it's an obvious one is foul trouble you know you mentioned evan paffer mm-hmm. getting into foul trouble uh, the, the division four boys, um, Holy family had, a he's kind of like the division four version of Jackson Marshall. He was six, eight center and, uh, he could shoot from outside, but he got into foul trouble. Um, you know, he sat the final two minutes of the first half with his, with three fouls. And then I think it was six ten left in the third quarter. He picked up his fourth. So he missed the rest of the third quarter. So, Basically, and he fouled out with like less than a minute to go. So he missed more than a quarter of action, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you get a kid uh, and any of the key players, uh, you know, Luke Soden or Jackson Marshall or, you know, the big kid from South or uh, and any one of your key players gets into early foul trouble. That, that can change a lot, you know, uh, yeah. how you play, how teams attack you, things like that. So, um you know, teams are all well coached, I know, but the kids are also pretty amped up. And uh, sometimes you can grab a couple of, you know, not so great fouls, reaching fouls or what have you. So something to look for. You never know. First, I want to uh, say, I guess, from the Blue Hawk perspective, thanks to the uh, Nashua uh, TV, public TV, for sharing their telecast of the of the game between the Blue Hawks and Nashua North. I wish they had a replay. Because in that North Blue Hawk game, at the very beginning, two minutes into the game, first score was uh, from the Blue Hawks, a three-pointer, but it was only given credit for two. They were only given credit for two. And the announcers for Nashville said, gee, we looked at the replay, and he was in three-point lane. <laughs> That's the second time that has ha- at least it's happened in the tournament. You know, uh... And that hurts. I mean, that hurts. That was that one point that might have made the difference. Um, you know, there are other factors, obviously, but that's just one of my things. And, and I think you and I have kicked it around that it'd be nice to have a backup official. And if there is a televised version of the game, he's watching it. And one one thing I learned back when I went to the referee school 30 years ago when my son was playing. And one of the things they they, they stressed was if you're if you have a, a question about the call, confer. And now they're doing the triangle in the semifinals and the finals. There's three guys there. I think they, you know, some one of the officials is in agreement. Hey, whoa, timeout, blow the whistle, officials timeout, and get together and huddle on it. Uh, I don't know. It's a judgment call, I know. And and, it, and I just hate to see teams lose on technicalities or non-calls or, or, or occasionally a bad call. Okay, and I'll say that. And, uh, and I was listening to both uh, our friends at uh, Friday Night Lights, New Hampshire, uh, Nick Anastas was doing uh, the game with Trinity Bedford. And uh, who's the fellow that works with him? Justin, right? Justin Gorham, I believe. Yeah, Justin Gorham uh, was saying there was a lot of non-calls in that game. And, you know, some referees just want the guys to play. And that's okay if you keep it standard. You know, everybody, (laughs) if you're going to let them 
play and play hard. That's the way it's got to be. I'm not downing officiating. They try their best. It's a judgment call. But if they have a questionable one, confer, confer, please. Either that or have an official that's just there, you know, managing the game, so to speak. And and if he gets a televised feed and he sees something he doesn't like, he could he could go to the timekeeper and say, blow the horn, bring the guys over and say, you know, let's take a look at this. I, I'm getting used to this from having done a few college games now at UNH. And I mean, that television monitor is there and there's a guy with a headset. And, and if there's any question, they come over and take a look for whether it's a, a infraction or time, especially time. Uh, there was a question on how much time to put back on the clock in the uh, Exeter game. Uh, 1.8 seconds, and there was a big hoo-ha about that at the end of the game. So It's wishful thinking, Sherm. I mean, you're right, but not a chance. <laughs> It'll never happen in our time, I know. And the other question I was going to ask you, uh, your opinion on, is do you think that the shot clock would ever come in to play in, in schoolboy and schoolgirl basketball? What do you mean by come in to play? Do you think really a doc? Well, I mean, we... It, yeah, would you, could you see it being adopted? I would, and do you think it would improve the game? Well, a lot of states uh, already have it, so you know it's it's here. We just don't have it in New Hampshire. Uh, okay. And uh, I guess I guess I'm not one of those people who's going to, uh, you know, I, I I have my opinions on certain things that are certainly strong opinions, but I, I I'm not going to. You know, uh, I can live without the shot clock. Let's put it that way. You know, um, I'm not saying I enjoy a team just standing there taking four minutes off the clock doing nothing. But I do think if you've got, you know, if you're ahead by a couple of baskets late and you're able to take time off the clock, that's that's part of strategy too. You know, I mean, the other team's got to play defense against you still, and if you can. If you can work the clock, that's in your favor. Um, I, most games I cover, I don't think the shot clock would come into play that much. Not all, but I don't feel like there's a lot of teams uh, taking a lot of time on the offensive end these days. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, I'm, okay. I, I don't feel myself like I'm watching Dean Smith basketball. You know, where they're just, you know, four corners and you know it all the time. Um, so, you know, I, I know most people, if you surveyed them, they probably want the shot clock. I wouldn't be against it, but I'm just not, you know, I, I can live without it. Well, we're going to have some good basketball coming up uh, this week. The semifinals for both the girls and the boys in Division One and Division Two. Let me just review them one more time. Let's go to the brackets. Let's go to the uh, girls brackets first uh division two the semifinal round bow versus laconia kennett versus pelham the winner of those brackets will be going to the finals at unh that'll be on sunday the 12th and uh, again the four teams involved bow laconia kennett and pelham in that order division two for the boys it's laconia and pelham in one bracket pembroke and oyster river in the other will be advancing to Again, UNH on Sunday, the Division Two finals. And then for Division One, again, the girls first. Let's go with Bishop Girton and Goffstown top bracket in the semis. The other bracket, Portsmouth Bedford, the winner of those brackets will be going to UNH for the girls Division One champion. And for the boys side of things, one, two, three, four. Number one, Bedford going up against Nashua South. 
And then the other bracket, Pinkerton going up against Nashville North. And whoever wins those two contests, UNH against Sunday, Lundholm Gymnasium. Unfortunately, I don't have the time, the, the, uh, the specific times of those games, but I will say that 10, 1, 4, and 7, that's what's on the agenda. And who starts the Division One or Division Two, and boys or girls, still to be determined. I will do a flash Facebook podcast on uh, probably Wednesday night after the games are decided for the boys at Exeter High School. That is where the Division One boys semifinals will be held. First game at 5.30, and then the nightcap at 7.30. So that does it. Um, Roger, I'll be catching you Wednesday night at the contest, and then we'll have to take a projection with March Madness with Mr. Bruno, and uh, we'll be busy at UNH this coming weekend, but we'll uh, we'll see you both Wednesday and Sunday. I'll be there both days, sure. I'm looking forward to it. All right, sir. So on behalf of Roger Brown from the Union Leader and New Hampshire Hardball and NewHampshireFootballReport.com, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us on the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast. <laughs>